I'm Carson Horn, and it's Monday at 10, which means it's time for Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. So grab your toilet paper and let's get rolling. The word that has been stuck in my mind over the last two weeks is dominance. Why, you might ask? Because of two reasons, Auburn basketball and Nick Saban. I'll explain it all today. You are listening to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. I am Carson. Thank you all for tuning in. We've got so much to get to. We're going to talk about Auburn basketball and what has been these last couple of weeks, really last month for Auburn basketball. We're going to dive into all the latest happenings around Auburn football, look at that roster, look at what's to come maybe in the future for Auburn football. So, Let's not waste any more time. Let's start, though, with Auburn basketball. As I mentioned, I mentioned there in the intro the dominance, and that is what it's been. 11, 11 straight wins by double digits for this Auburn basketball team. Extremely, they're playing extremely well right now. There's so much to like about this team and where they are headed. It's hard not to get excited if you're a fan of this Auburn basketball team of what they can accomplish. The big thing to remember, though, is to not get ahead of yourself. There's going to be bumps in the roads. There's going bumps in the road. There's going to be losses that will come. So it's important still to temper expectation to understand that there will be issues that will arise that you may haven't seen yet. But you're going to find out a lot about this team this week. We're going to dive into all that here coming up in the matchups that you're going to see this week against Mississippi State and against Alabama. The schedule has not been the toughest so far for Auburn, but no matter who you're playing to win 11 straight games by double digits, it's just huge. And if you want to go back to that App State loss, and I wasn't on air when that happened, that happened over the break, Auburn got a lot of flack for scheduling that game, for for. Why in the world would you go play a mid-major on the road in non-conference? Uh, it's like a it's a huge game to them. Their fans were phenomenal at that game, even though they were on break too. Their students came back. They were loud. Auburn goes up there. They don't play well. They don't shoot well at all, and they lose that game. And everyone's like, why in the world did Bruce Pearl schedule this game? Well, it seems like it paid off. So for all those folks who, who may have questioned Bruce Pearl uh, reasoning behind that, I think most understand now it's a wise decision. It put your team in a tough situation early on. They had a loss. They learned from it. They grew from it. And since that loss, they won every game by double digits. So it, it paid off. It, it, it was a frustrating Sunday afternoon that that game was, but it's been well worth the reward that has come from that that loss. So what do I like about this team? When you, when you look at this team, there's so much to like about it. I think the biggest thing, though, is the unselfishness and chemistry of this team. There's not one superstar. Yes, Jani Broom's a great player. Yes, Jalen Williams is a great player. But there's no just guy that's going out there and scoring 25 every night, and that and that being your only hope of winning. It's a very balanced attack. It's a, it's a team that wants to play together, that enjoys playing with each other. And if you ask, and... and it, and this has been said multiple times by many different players. This is the closest team that that I've ever been on. Dylan Cardwell said that after the game. Jalen Williams has said that, and, and that's just a mul- multiple couple of guys. I think many of them have said it. Bruce Pearl has said it. This team loves being together. They love playing together, 
and I think that's really important. Here's a here's a quote from after the game that I want to play from Bruce Pearl talking about this team's chemistry, about Chad Baker-Mazzaro specifically, but it points to the team as a whole. Here's the clip from Pearl. I thought, uh, you know, great a great example of what I want this team to try to be like. Um, you know, a couple of things. You know, Ira Bowman helps me with the substitution. Um, and, uh, you know, Leo Berman got a rotation in there and was playing really well. In uh, particular, the defensive end. He was physical. Uh, had gone up against Al, you know, for th- four years, you know, and um, uh, had really did a nice job. Was working really hard defensively. Was effective out there. It was more than his time to come out. And and Char- uh, Chad Baker was due to come in. And Chad Baker says to I relieve him in there. Leora's playing so great. You know, when you got teammates like that, that's you know. You know, really, 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 really By that quote, you can tell how proud that makes Bruce Pearl, how excited that makes him about this team. And, and it goes to show the type of players that you have on that roster. It says a lot about Chad Baker-Mazzara, who has been phenomenal, who has been quiet last couple of games, but he, he has at times been Auburn's best player and someone who was kind of under the radar, was under under the radar pickup in the transfer portal that comes in and becomes a a really good player and is going to have a big role continuing moving forward for Auburn and he's just one player. There's the whole whole team for the most part is that way. They want to see their teammates succeed. They support them in that and uh, that that quote just says a lot. There's not much more I need to add that Bruce Pearl did not say there about this team about this chemistry of this roster. Now, besides that point, I will say what's been the most surprising to me in a good way for this team is their defense. We heard all offseason going into this season, Bruce Pearl was very concerned about defense. Defense is extremely important to Bruce Pearl. His teams always play really good defense, but this year's roster was not necessarily built with a ton of defenders. Last year's team was one was one of the best defensive teams of Bruce Pearl's era, and Good thing because offense was very poor last year. So this year, Bruce Pearl went heavy on on making sure he got scores on this team, got guys who could really put the ball in the basket, and he did that. But when you do that, there's some concern about defense. Well, the defense has been much better than expected. A top 25 defense, according to the analytics. Uh, Denver Jones especially has been a bright spot for Auburn defensively. He hasn't been the score that I think a lot of people expected, but he hasn't had he hasn't had to score at a high level because of again the chemistry that we talked about because the scoring being so spread out there hasn't been a lot put on his shoulders. But it, but as you hear Bruce Pearl talk about Denver Jones, if you've read any of the quotes that Bruce Pearl has said about Denver, he has praised his defense, his effort, the way that he has grown as a defender since last year when he was at FIU to where he is now at, at Auburn is extremely impressive. He's he's playing some of the best defense of any guard in the SEC. So no, he's not scoring at the level maybe he would hope, but you're getting great defense out of him, and that is a great thing to see that the way he is playing, and I'm sure that he's frustrated about his, about his scoring, but you can't tell that by the way he's playing, and, and his scoring will improve. He's going to have some games, I'm sure, coming up where where more will be asked of him when the front court may get taken away a little bit more, where other guys are, are struggling shooting, where where he will need to step up, and I believe he will. I think Bruce Pearl has the confidence in him to do that 
So that's another real positive that I like about this team. And real quickly, just on the Ole Miss game before I keep moving forward, there was a lot of emotion in that game. Allen Flanagan, Wes Flanagan returning to Auburn for the first time as visitors, both Auburn graduates. Wes Flanagan was on Bruce, Bruce Pearl's staff for multiple years. Allen Flanagan, of course, played four years. It was an intense environment. I was hoping that, that the Auburn students would treat Allen a little bit better. He got plenty of boos. Got, well, got booed every time he got the ball. It is what it is. I hold no ill will towards Allen Flanagan and uh, grateful for his time at Auburn. But you know the players on this Auburn team that played with Flanagan wanted to beat him, were motivated to play well. And you saw that. Bruce Pearl mentioned it in the comments I just played about Leor Berman. <laughs> Leor Berman defended Allen Flanagan on scout team for years. He, he had come in the same class as Allen. So he, he knew every move, and he, and he defended him very, very well. Same goes for Chris Moore. And so those guys were, were really motivated, and they played well. And Auburn dominated that game. It, I expected it to be, I thought Auburn would probably cover the line was around double digits. To be up 30 that late in the second half, it, it was one of the best offensive games that Auburn has played, especially in the first half all year. Shot the ball over 60% in, in the first half. And continued it for most of the second half. Still a concern is finishing games out. And so it was got a little sloppy there at the back half of, uh, of the game and allowed Ole Miss to cut into the lead a bit. But overall, a very impressive game against Ole Miss. Ole Miss is not a top 25 team. They were when Auburn played. They won't be when the new AP poll comes out today. But they're still a good team. And so to win in that fashion was very impressive. And now I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about Jalen Williams. Jalen Williams is playing at a all-SEC level, you could argue, at a all-American level so far this season. He doesn't play the minutes necessarily that garners national attention like it should. He's shooting the ball extremely well. He's playing with the most confidence I've ever seen him play with. He's being more aggressive, He's letting, but he's also at the same time letting the game come to him. He's not forcing anything, but he's making plays for this team, and he has helped take this team to another level. When he picked up his play, you remember the beginning of the season. He wasn't really he wasn't really doing much. And and I said on this show before we went to break, I said it might just be because of the way this team is built. Because of the guards that Auburn brought in and blah blah blah. Well and that has not been the case since. He he has started to score. Auburn's gotten him more involved and it has elevated the the potential and the ceiling of this team when he is playing at at this high of a level. Great to see from Jalen Williams in his fifth year now at Auburn. A true Auburn man, someone who who loves Auburn, who just wants what's best for his team, and he is playing so, so well. So great to see from Jalen, and that'll be important for him to continue to play at this level moving forward this season for Auburn. Now, as for concerns, I already mentioned the, the, the second half lulls. Auburn did win the second half against Ole Miss, but still had that few minutes there that was really, really ugly, and Ole Miss went on a big run. It has yet to cost Auburn, but it could because Auburn has gotten such big first-half leads that they go go into halftime and they, they cannot play the best second half, and it hasn't cost them. But what if you get to Tuscaloosa this, 
this uh, Wednesday night and, and you're down three at halftime or, or you're up three at halftime and you go out and you play a second half like, like Auburn has been prone to play, then you lose the game. So that is something that has to improve. That's been a big emphasis for this team. I know they've said it every game, but it is hard. Mentally, it's hard to stay locked in, to stay with that same intensity when you're up 15 points. I get it, but it has to improve for this team moving forward. The other other thing, and again, small concerns, half-court offense. At times, the half-court offense seems has seemed a little bit lost. This team thrives on creating turnovers and transition points. That's great. The half-court offense is not bad always, but there are times where it feels like there's nothing there. When maybe there's not a look in the front court that Auburn likes, then can they get an open three that they can knock down and can they make? So when teams are able to force Auburn into a half-court offense consistently, how will they play? You think back to the, I believe it was the uh, LSU game. LSU kind of forced Auburn a little bit more into a half-court style of offense in the first half there, but Auburn did a pretty good job executing in the half-court. Can they do that consistently? That'll be a big question mark because as you face some better teams that do a better job of not turning the basketball over, that don't give up as many transition points, half-court offense will be more important. That's a challenge for anybody in the SEC. Most Every SEC team is is big on getting points in transition, forcing turnovers, and making things happen there. But that'll be a concern for Auburn right now. Again, it's minimal. This team is playing so well that to an extent, I'm nitpicking. But I think you'll see over this next week, there will be some things that maybe we haven't noticed yet as spectators that, that maybe the coaches have, but just we haven't because of the way Auburn has played that might come into focus a little bit more over the next week facing stiffer competition. So right now, those are some of the things that are a little bit easier to pick out that aren't major concerns, but maybe there will be more that will come. I hope not. It'd be great if there weren't, but there could be as competition increases. And that is what we will get to when we return for the second segment of Talking Tumors here on Weagle 91.1. We will dive in to the week ahead, starting with Alabama on Wednesday night and Mississippi State on Saturday. So stay tuned. We'll have the preview of those games. You don't want to miss it. Auburn basketball will head to Tuscaloosa on Wednesday night to face off against Alabama in the first of two games between the two schools. Alabama did sweep Auburn last season. Two years ago, Auburn swept Alabama. So will that trend continue? We will see, or will we get some type of split this year? Both teams are good. Both teams, I believe, are the top, are in the top four of the SEC. I believe four teams have separated themselves from the rest of the pack in the Southeastern Conference this year. Tennessee and Kentucky are two. Alabama and Auburn are the other two. I think in some order in there will be the top four. I don't know. It could go any number of ways for who ends up winning the SEC, but I think it will be one of those four teams. So Alabama, as always, is a really good offensive team. They can really shoot the three. Their defense is playing not very well, though. So they're a good offensive team, a poor defensive team. They're 64th in adjusted defense, according to Kim Palm. That is an uh, analytics website for college basketball. But they have the number one offense, according to Kim Palm, as well. 
So if you didn't believe what I just said, maybe those analytics will help you a little bit. They did not play well against Tennessee. Tennessee destroyed them. But going up to Knoxville is extremely difficult. It's an extremely difficult place to place, really difficult place to win. Alabama did not shoot well in that game. Tennessee's defense had a lot to do with that. But overall, though, still, despite that poor shooting performance, Alabama is still shooting 39% from three on the year. So it's going to be a tough matchup because, again, it's on the road. I know Auburn fans like to make fun of Alabama's home basketball environment, but their fans will turn uh, turn out for this game. The Iron Bowl and the hardwood, it, it, it's going to be a, an electric environment, I'm sure, there in Tuscaloosa. And it's a, a really the, the toughest road game Auburn's played so far. You would have thought Arkansas would have been that. But now we know Arkansas, not very good. Auburn was able to take out the Razorback crowd early in that game. So unless that happens again in Tuscaloosa on Wednesday night, it'll be the toughest place Auburn has played so far this year. So how will Auburn respond to that? We'll see. As for the key players for the Tide, it starts with Mark Sears, their point guard. He is a All-SEC Player of the Year candidate. He's averaging 19.8 points per game, nearly 20 points per game. Usually going to knock down a couple threes, can get to the basket. Very, very good player. He he will be the center of Auburn's attention, I believe, as far as their defensive scout goes. Slowing him down will be number one priority for Auburn. Along with him, though, they added a transfer from North Dakota State in Grant Nelson. He is their big, he's a, more of a stretch four, but he play, he's been playing the five for them. And I'll talk more about that position here in a second in that matchup. But then you've got Rylan Griffin, who's been shooting it well as of late for Alabama. And then Aaron Estrada, another transfer, good defender, and uh, can knock down the three as well. Everybody that, that plays for Alabama, you know, is going to be a threat to shoot, to knock down uh, the three-point uh, shot for the Tide. What am I watching for in this game? First off, how does Auburn's defense stack up? We just got done talking about Auburn's defense really playing well right now, playing better than expected. But you're going to face a really good shooting team in Alabama. So how does this defense stack up against them? Can they force Alabama into tough shots, slow them down? Bama's big, getting in transition, looking for getting to the basket or getting a transition three. So Auburn has to play clean offensively as far as turning the ball over. Turn the ball over too much against Ole Miss. That has not been an issue for Auburn much, but against Ole Miss, they did turn it over more than typical for this team. They're usually averaging around 10 turnovers a game, but they are over that against the Rebels. That has to improve because Alabama's big in transition offense. So how does Auburn defense defend Alabama? Typically, the way Bruce Pearl likes to defend the Tide is to stop them from getting to the basket. A lot of their half-court offense starts with getting to the basket. They can get an easy layup. They'll take it. If not, they're going to dish it back out, try to get the defense to collapse, dish it back out, and look for an open three. Auburn has done a good job, really even did a good job of it last year, of forcing Alabama to take tough threes. Yes, you want them to take threes, but you don't want them to take easy ones. If they make tough ones, good for them. If they if they make that consistently, then you're just out of luck and they're probably going to win. That's the key. Stop them from getting to the basket and getting easy looks there. 
at least make them take the lower percentage looks. And that's that. my assumption will be Bruce Pearl will stick with that type of defense because it has worked for Auburn in the past. Force Alabama into tough shots. Don't let them get to the basket. Now, that's going to be a tough challenge for Auburn's guards, especially Mark Sears. Defending him won't be easy. Does Aiden Holloway defend him, or does Auburn switch and let Aiden guard the two and let Denver KD guard Mark Sears? That's my guess, but you can see Aiden get matched up one-on-one with Mark Sears. That'll be a challenge. Alabama will look to exploit that matchup if they get it. Aiden's working hard, but he is not a great defender. Trey Donaldson is better if he's out there against Sears, but we'll see. That'll be an interesting matchup to watch, something I'll be keeping my eye on. As for Auburn offensively, Auburn has the advantage in the paint. I just mentioned Grant Nelson from North Dakota State transferred there. He's a good offensive piece, been okay on the defensive end. But Alabama was a little put in a tough situation when Charles Bediaco decided to stay in the NBA draft, did not come back to Alabama. He was a big defender there for them. So they're weak as far as defense goes in the paint. So Auburn's going to have the advantage in the front court with Jalen Williams and Janai Broom, even Dylan Cardwell, with their ability to score. But does Alabama collapse and try to take that away and and give Auburn maybe some open looks from three? Probably. Auburn's shooting around 34% from three so far this year. Shot it really well against Ole Miss. But I think Alabama will try to first take away Auburn's front court and force them to make shots. So Auburn's going to have to make open shots when they are there if Alabama does collapse on the on Jani Broom, Jalen Williams, when they get the ball in the paint. So those are some of the key things I am I am watching. This is going to be a good challenge. This is going to tell you a lot about this team. How do they perform on the road? How do they shoot on the road? If they face some adversity, how do they respond? Alabama game is going to tell you a lot about that. I, I don't have a great feel for it. If Auburn plays at the level they're capable of playing, they'll be, they can beat Alabama by double digits like they have everyone else. I don't expect that because you're on the road. Because it's a rivalry game, I think it, it is going to be a, a tough game. I think it's going to come down to the wire. What does the closing lineup look like? We really have not seen a closing lineup for Auburn because they've won, again, the last 11 games by double digits. What does it look like? Bruce Pearl said he thinks that it will be more of a defensive first lineup because he knows himself. So if that's the case, and you're probably getting Trey Donaldson at point guard, the way Denver's playing, you can still get him at the two, but either Denver or KD at the two, Chad Baker at the three, and Jalen and Janai at the four and the five, respectively. But Dylan Cardwell could also play the five there in a closing lineup if needed. So we'll see. I think this one's going to come down to the end. Again, winning on the road just so difficult, It is especially in the SEC. You, you've seen it. so many top ten teams this year have lost on the road. It doesn't matter how good you are. It's challenging. So to get a win on the road will be very good, especially against a team like Alabama, who is a a, a very good team this year. They have their weaknesses. I, I, I think Auburn has some advantages in some areas, but they're going to have to play well to get the win. Then shifting gears on Saturday, Auburn will also have another difficult game, having to, to play two games on the road this week. That's what I mean. The schedule is getting a lot tougher. Two games on the road. You go to Alabama, to Mississippi State. You get to return home and play Vanderbilt, but then you've got 
I believe Ole Miss again after that on the road. So this is this is not an easy stretch for Auburn. A lot of road games here coming up. At Mississippi State, you're going to face a physical team, a team that is very good at defense, just like they were last year. They're number 15 in the country in adjusted defense, according to Kim Palm. Their offense, though, is the biggest difference from last year. It has improved some. It's still not great, but it has improved. Of course, you've got Tolu Smith down there. Their front court's their strength with Tolu Smith, and then Jimmy Bell Jr. came in there and added to that group this year. But the shooting has improved mostly thanks to Josh Hubbard. Their point guard can really shoot it from three. He's uh, shooting 37%, averaging 14.2 points per game. So Auburn will face another stiff challenge there. It'll be big to see how they can defend, how physical. Janai Brim has not always done well against physical centers in the SEC. Tolu Smith is that. How does Janai Broom match up against him, defending him, as well as trying to score on him? It'll be, a, it'll be a tough matchup on Saturday. So again, a tough week ahead. We're going to learn a lot about this team this week. Don't make too much of any one game. I think that is important to say. So if Auburn goes out there, lays an egg against Alabama on Wednesday night, disappointing, learn from it, take from it, but don't take too much from it. If they go to Alabama and win by 15 on Wednesday night, don't take too much from it. Learn from it and and move on. But I do think after this week, we will learn more. How, how does this team play? You'll have two games at that point, a little bit greater of a sample size, against two good teams on the road. Sovereign come out of this week 0-2. They come out of this week 2-0, 1-1. Do they shoot well on the road? Do they shoot horrendously on the road? Do they, do they show some, some signs of things we haven't seen, like turning the ball over at a high clip? I don't know. That's why I say we will learn a lot about this team and how they handle adversity because they're going to face more adversity than they face, I think, personally this week than they have all season really since that App State game. But with the challenges comes great opportunity, and this is two quad one opportunities this week. Auburn does not have any quad one wins. That is a a hit to their resume for as far as NCAA tournament goes. They haven't had too many quad one opportunities right now, and that's a a big reason why. They've had the opportunity against Baylor in the first game and against App State on the road. Lost both of those games. They need to pick up some some quad one wins. They will. The SEC is loaded with quad one opportunities. But these are two big ones this week to help pad that resume uh, as far as the NCAA tournament goes and helping you get a better seed. It does matter a lot moving forward. So with wins this week, Auburn can put themselves in a really good spot in the SEC moving forward. Can they get it done my guess would be a one-in-one week. I, th- I think Auburn would probably split this week. 0-2 would, would hurt your chances in a big way of winning the SEC. I, I think if you go 1-1, one one, you're probably in a good spot. If you go 2-0, two and, two and oh, you're in a great spot as far as the SEC goes and having a good chance. But I think 1-1 one one is fair to expect. I'm not sure which one. There's never a game that, that you would that you liked, would like to lose, you know, usually you're, uh, but in, in basketball, you're going to lose multiple games, it's just the way it goes, but you, as an Auburn fan, you probably prefer the loss if you're going to have one to come Mississippi State versus Alabama, but maybe, maybe a loss will not come at all this week, and Auburn's able to, to get both, we will see, I want to close with this audio from Bruce Pearl before we head to break about this team, 
and about where they are headed this week. We are still not as good as they think we are. I mean, right now, we're not. We're better than they thought we were. Um, we'll just see. We'll just see how the play. We'll just keep playing it out. This is a very good win tonight because of the margin against a good team. You know, um, let's see what this bring. Let's see what this week brings. I couldn't have said any better myself. We will see in a week when we're sitting here. We'll be post Alabama. We'll be post Mississippi State. We'll see where this team stands. Right now, they're in a really good position. We'll see if that continues in another week. When we return, we'll be switching gears and dive into Auburn football. So stay tuned to Talking Tumors on Weagle 91.1. Hi, I'm Matt Kenseth, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Let's dive in now to the latest happenings with Auburn football. The transfer portal should be closed now for for Auburn. Classes are are well into session at this point. It is too late to uh, add or drop classes. So I I do think Auburn is done adding players for this portal round. Now, there will be another portal cycle after spring practice. But as far as roster goes, everything should be solidified for now. We'll dive more into roster next week on the show. I've got more I've I've got to talk about. And, and coaching this week, but but next week we'll start to dive into to more roster, I hope, unless there's more breaking news somewhere else, and we'll look at some of the, still the holes that are still left on this roster and kind of uh, the guys that were brought in, start to break them down a little bit. But let's talk about the latest news. So right now, Auburn is still in search for a D.C., but yesterday Matt Zenitz of 24-7 Sports reported that Auburn is targeting DJ Durkin for their defensive coordinator position. Nothing is finalized at this moment. By the time you're listening to this podcast, it could be. But if you're listening live at 10.33 on Monday morning, nothing has been finalized yet. But it seems like it may be trending that way with DJ Durkin. So if you're a listener not necessarily familiar with who he is, DJ Durkin was most recently the defensive coordinator at Texas A&M. He, of course, was was uh, not retained when Mike Elko took over as head coach for Jimbo Fisher when he was let go at Texas A&M. Before that, he was at Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin. His coaching tree really is big time with Urban Meyer as well as with Jim Harbaugh. He was the head coach at Maryland. That's where you may know him from. There's been some past issues there. Had a player... Um, die while he was the head coach at Maryland. Um, so there are some, some obviously some, some issues that happened there, but he's been hired by two other SEC schools since then. So if it was an, an issue as far as him being hired, it doesn't seem like it is anymore, considering Auburn will be the third SEC school if they were to hire him to be their, their defensive coordinator. So there will be some that don't like the hire because of that. I'm not going to get into personal feelings on the issue as far as him as a defensive coordinator, he's had plenty of success. He has been a very good D.C. in 2012. He was the National Recruiter of the Year, according to to Rivals, so he brings some uh, recruiting pedigree as well. If he is officially announced the hire, I'll dive more into his scheme and what he likes to do defensively more a little bit later on. But as of right now, it seems like it's heading in that direction Defense coordinator is the only position that Hugh Freeze still has left to fill after Ron Roberts departed, and we'll talk more about that here in a few minutes about Ron Roberts. 
As for the offensive coordinator position, Auburn has hired Derek Nix from Ole Miss. He's been at, he was at Ole Miss for 16 years. That kind of stability is unheard of in college sports now for a coach to be anywhere for that long. He loved Mississippi. He's originally from Alabama, though. Um, grew up in the state of Alabama, played high school football here. He went to Southern Miss, I believe, as a player. But he, like I said, at Ole Miss for 16 years, coached running backs for the majority of his stint at Ole Miss, but has coached wide receivers the last few years here under Lane Kiffin. But he is going to be the offensive coordinator and running backs coach for Auburn. This was a guy that Hugh Freeze considered hiring last year, maybe even tried to hire last year. Didn't happen. He stayed at Ole Miss, but this year Freeze got him to be, to come in and to be his offensive coordinator. Really, the move was made because Hugh Freeze wanted a guy he was really comfortable with, understood his goals, understood his culture. That was something that he didn't feel like he necessarily had with some of his uh, staff members this past season, especially on the offensive side with uh, Philip Montgomery. Someone, he wanted someone who would, would really understand him, and Derek Nick certainly does that. He coached under Freeze at Ole Miss. Despite what Lane Kiven said, Hugh Freeze is going to call plays. Derek Nix will certainly have a role in it, but Hugh Freeze is going to call plays. And, ju- and just to take a second and talk about the, the childish, a- childish actions of Lane Kiffin over the last couple of weeks when Auburn was courting Derek Nix, when Auburn was trying to hire him to be the offense coordinator. Lane Kiffin was constantly putting out tweets about Hugh Freeze and Auburn, talking about how he putting out links to articles about how Hugh Freeze was going to call plays and co- just constantly stuff about Auburn over and over and over again. He didn't want to lose Derek Nix. I get that. That's understandable. Derek Nix has been a big part of that program, big part of that culture and recruiting there. But also, Hugh Free, Lane Kiffin was trying to keep Derek Nix from coming to Auburn because of some different clauses in his contract about only being able to leave for a promotion. And Lane Kiffin was trying to argue that Derek Nix could not take the, the Auburn OC job because he would not be calling plays and and whatnot. And that's why you saw in Lane Kiffin's statement uh, a big emphasis on Derek Nix getting to call plays. Not true. Auburn was able to hire him. Derek Nix was able to... to to really get a promotion in the world of college football, going from being a wide receivers coach to being an offensive coordinator. So just childish actions from Lane Kiffin, but it's something that we've come to expect. Honestly, he's probably disappointed he did not get the Alabama job, something he has always wanted. Part of the reason I believe he did not take the Auburn job when uh, when he had the chance. So here he is now. So just that was just a side note, how to get that out there. Um, very, very... Uh, very childish acts, actions from, from Lane Kiffin, but it, it's what we've come to expect, really, from him. But but Derek Nix, I think, is a good hire for Hugh Freeze. It fits what Hugh Freeze wanted. As I said, when I talked about Philip Montgomery being let go, I didn't like that Hugh Freeze gave up calling plays in the first place. He'll take it back over. He has someone now that he'll feel comfortable with as offense coordinator that can help him out with game plan, but also can spend a lot of time on recruiting and maybe allows Freeze to spend a little bit less time recruiting, more time in game planning and execution for the offense. So I like this hire for Freeze. I think it'll work out well and hopefully bring some stability to the offensive coordinator position. Now I want to talk quickly about Cadillac Williams and Zach Etheridge. 
Both of those guys resigned. Both of those guys, though, were, were it was a resignation, but both were, I believe, forced to, to, to move on. Starting with Cadillac, always will be grateful for what he did for Auburn. He, he played a role in saving Auburn football when, uh, after Brian Harson was fired. He brought energy back to Auburn football. He brought excitement. He brought positivity back around this program. And Auburn will be forever grateful to him for that. Auburn fans will be forever grateful to him for that. He stepped up when somebody needed to. He stepped up in a big way. He led that team. And I, I, I don't think there should be anything but gratefulness from Auburn fans for him for that time. At the same time, college football is a cutthroat industry. And you, you're grateful for what they did for you. But now you got to move on. This is a, a new era of Auburn football. Hugh Freeze has to do what he believes is best for his program. And in, in that vision, Cadillac Williams was no longer a part of it. It's unfortunate. You hate it because you you especially are grateful for former Auburn players. But we also tend to romanticize them a little bit. We tend to overinflate them, I think, to a certain extent. Not that Cadillac Williams is not a good coach. Not that he can't be a really good coach again. But I think we do uh, romanticize them to a certain extent. I know there's a lot of rumors out there about Cadillac and about Zach. I, I don't think that those should be exploited. I don't think anyone should be talking about stuff they don't know the whole story behind. I'm not going to even start going into that. And I don't think anyone else should. I think Auburn fans should just understand there's some things that we don't know as fans. We don't know everything that goes into a decision. And that same goes for Zach Etheridge. Extremely grateful for him. He also played a big role. I know Cadillac gets a lot of the attention, but he played a big role as well, stepping up and leading when Brian Harson was fired. He has been an excellent recruiter for Auburn, loves Auburn very much, and he he is a very good coach, very good recruiter. I was never concerned about the secondary as long as he was coaching them, and he is a, a big reason why Auburn secondary is where it is right now as far as talent goes and development goes in that group. So he, he's headed back to Houston. He is, um, his girlfriend is Willie Fritz's daughter, who is now the head coach of Houston. So he'll be close with, with uh, what he would probably consider family at this point. So I wish him the best and um, wish Cadillac Williams the best. He does not currently have another job. Hopefully Cadillac will find somewhere to go in, in some role uh, elsewhere and wish him nothing but the best moving forward. I will say this as far as Auburn staff goes. They've got to find stability. They've got to find stability. I mentioned it with offensive coordinator. It's been constant turnover dating back to the Gus Malzahn era. Really ever since Rhett Lashley moved on, there has been constant turnover at OC. DC, you had pretty good stability there with Kevin Steele during the Gus Malzahn era, but the staff the staff needs uh Need, need some stability moving forward. It's hard in this day and age in college football. You're never going to keep the same staff from year to year. You're just not. There's going to be firings. There are going to be guys moving on. But there needs to be there, there needs to be some constants here for this staff with as far as the, because you've had these head coaching changes, that has just made it worse for Auburn. So hopefully some of these hires like Derek Nix will be multi-year guys. Whatever the next DC hire is, whether that's DJ Durkin or someone else, that it will be multi, multiple years. And you hope the same for your position coaches. You are going to get some consistency there with Josh Aldridge at linebackers, Jeremy Garrett, D-line, um, 
and uh, offensive line, sorry, the uh, name is just completely left. Jake Thornton at offensive line, Marcus Davis at wide receivers coach, um, Ben A at tight ends coach. There, There is some stability, but overall coordinator especially. If guys are leaving, you'd rather them be leaving for promotions, for head coaching, for uh, for uh, position coaches getting coordinator jobs. You don't want to see guys leaving uh, because they have to get fired. That means something went wrong. Uh, so hopefully you get some stability moving forward. So we'll take our last break. When we return, I want to dive into a few of the other moves that have happened on the staff and then talk a little bit about Auburn in this post-Nick Saban era. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. So as far as other moves go for Auburn, Wesley McGriff, what a story that was. He was going to leave. He accepted the job at Texas A&M to join Mike Elko's staff there. Texas A&M officially announced him being at... uh, being at Texas A&M right after the bowl game. And then all of a sudden, nope, he's back at Auburn. <laughs> he is back as a secondary coach. He and Charles Kelly will now be coaching the secondary. Charles Kelly, of course, will be the co-DC. We talked about that two weeks ago. And he, So I'm not sure who will take defensive backs versus who will take the safeties. But some way or, an, or another, Wesley McGriff is back. He, he is someone who Hugh Freeze really likes. He and Ron Roberts didn't really hit it off, and I think that played a role into why he originally was going to leave. But when Ron Roberts was left to take another job, but also kind of forced out there, Wesley McGriff decided to come back. He's very well liked by the players in the secondary. He played a key role in keeping some of those guys out of the transfer portal, including Keontae Scott, who ended up staying at Auburn, which was very big. We'll talk more about him next week. But Wesley McGriff coming back, great news for Auburn. As I mentioned, Ron Roberts is out. Look, Ron Roberts is a very good defense coordinator, but his track record speaks for itself. He does not stay anywhere long. Whatever it is about him, I don't know. But he rubs a lot of people the wrong way, it seems. And it seems that was the case at Auburn. So he is out as defense coordinator. Just did not fit. I guess it's the best way to say. I thought that was coming two weeks ago based on the Charles Kelly hire and uh, and whatnot. So, Ron Roberts is out. Kent Alston has been promoted to quarterback's coach. He really already was, but he was an analyst last season. He is now officially on the on-field coaching staff as the quarterback's coach, being promoted up from the analyst role. He's been with Hugh Freeze at Ole Miss before. He has coached quarterbacks for a long, long time. Is really is really well-regarded, so I think that'll be a good, good fit for uh, for Auburn there. Now, before we close out, I had to get this I, because I did not have a show. So Nick Saban retired the Wednesday. I had my show on Monday. Nick Saban retired on Wednesday. Did not have a show last Monday. So I had an article. If you want to go check it out, you can find it on Weagle FM uh, and where I kind of went into more detail about what the Nick Saban retirement means for Auburn. But I just wanted to give a little bit of a synopsis here to close out the show. If anything, Nick Saban's retirement just means it's Auburn's time. No matter how well Auburn played, no matter what Hugh Freeze did, there wasn't ever going to be surpassing Nick Saban in this state, surpassing Alabama in this state at this time. They were still going to be the dominant force as long as he was the head coach at Alabama. Well, he's not anymore. Hugh Freeze could not have taken the Auburn job at a better time. Did he know that Nick Saban was going to retire? No, no one did. He was ready and looking forward to facing off with him. He's friends with Nick Saban. But it happened, and now that gives 
you freeze an opportunity that no other Auburn head coach has had since Tommy Tuberville, and that's to face a Nick Saban-less Alabama football team. So, great opportunity for Auburn. There is no better time for them to really to cement themselves at the premier program in the state to go to. Auburn's doing really well in the class of 2025 with state of Alabama players and getting them to come to Auburn and getting them to commit. They have multiple of the top players in the state committed. That is huge. That's where it starts is getting the talent. And if you can start being the program that the players in the state want to go to over Alabama, that is huge. That started in class of 2024, even over Nick Saban. When you think about Cam Coleman, you think about Perry Thompson, Demarcus Riddick, it started with guys like that. But now it can really continue. And if you do that, you start to make up the ground in the talent gap. So it all connects. You start to take over the state in recruiting. You start to overcome the talent gap a little bit. And then all the guys transferring out of Alabama since Nick Saban has left also will help expedite the process. Auburn's still not going to be there next year despite all the transfers that Alabama has had leave. They still have, have kept plenty of really talented players. In experience, yes, but talented very much so. So I don't think the talent gap is going to be completely filled next year. Auburn still got a ways to go, but improvement is there. Can can Hugh Freeze completely close that talent gap? I think he can. Can he do it sooner now? Absolutely, that opportunity is there since Nick Saban has retired. So an opportunity awaits like none other for Hugh Freeze. I think that, that Auburn fans have to be excited that he is the coach when this happened because of the effort that he has put in to rebuilding this program. Only time will tell if he'll be able to do it. We don't know what Kalen DeBoer is going to do at Alabama. I would caution Auburn fans with the Harson comparisons. I wouldn't compare anyone to, to, to Brian Harson. I would just caution Auburn fans to, you don't want to, to go down that road and then Kalen DeBoer ends up being really successful and then you have to deal, deal with all, all the, uh, the clapbacks that you might get from Alabama fans. So I would, I would just caution Auburn fans in that regard. We don't know how Kalen DeBoer is going to turn out, but anyone is better for Auburn than, than Nick Saban. And Auburn's got to be focused on themselves. They can't, they can't be worried about what Alabama's doing as far as what, what Kalen DeBoer does. Focus on Auburn, but use Nick Saban's retirement to, to your advantage. And I think Hugh Freeze will. As for Hugh Freeze and the Brian Harson comparison, since we're, since we're on that, I also don't think that's fair. It's easy to say, oh, Brian Harson's coordinators were gone after year one, and Hugh Freeze's coordinators gone after year one. But you have to put proper context in there. Derek Mason left and took a huge pay cut to get away from Brian Harson after his first year. Mike Bobo also said, I got to get out of here. Yes, that was more of a firing, but, but Bobo could not stand to work with Brian Harson either. This was Hugh Freeze realizing something didn't work with Phil Montgomery and moving on from it. He brought in also a guy with SEC experience that's going to be a really good recruiter. He did not promote a an, an analyst from, from Boise State, essentially. And that and Brian Harson did and Eric Kesaw. Same goes for defensive coordinator. Whoever Hugh Freeze brings in is going to be a really, really good uh, football coach, whether it's C.J. Durkin or someone else. So I don't think the comparisons are fair. I think the culture of the team is also in a much better place than it was under Brian Harson. That's not even debatable. The two aren't similar at all. 
That's just looking at things very simply if you try to draw that comparison. So just wanted to go ahead and hit that on the head before it spread any further. We'll talk plenty more at the roster next week, talking about this uh, Auburn football team and where it goes from here, some of the holes there. But I did want to touch on those things really quickly to close out the show. So thank you all for being tuned in today. It's going to be a big week for Auburn. Again, two massive basketball games on the road. We'll learn a lot about the team. We'll talk about that next week, continue in our discussions about Auburn football. And pretty soon we'll be ramping it up for Auburn baseball as well, getting going in February. So things are always busy on the plains. It is fun to talk about. Really glad to be back on the air this week and getting back to the show consistently. So really grateful whether you listen live or listening on podcasts. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Talking Tumors. Make sure to tune in again next Monday at 10 for another edition. Also, make sure to check out Weagle's 24-hour live stream on WeagleFM.com. And follow us on social media at Weagle underscore AU. War Eagle, and see you next time.